0: Welcome to episode 72 of The Numbers Game. I'm Jason. As always, I'm here with Nick and Marty. How are we going today, guys?
1: Mate, I'm flying. You know, stock market's edgy, the business environments, you know, on shaky foundations. This is what I love, mate. I love doing well in yeah, uncertainty. So I'm feeling good. I'm up and about cause I know I can create the market, mate. Uh I'm well, Nick, that was a pretty big uh piece yeah, of <laughs> this, Sorry, is, mate. This is oh. where the
2: this is where the cream rise to the top, you know. <laughs> um, so i will have no doubt that you're up and about, Marty V, just uh pouncing and taking uh t- taking uh, opportunities where you can. But no, I'm good. I'm good. We've got a, um got some good weather finally, so Been bloody wet. I don't know why Dan Andrews didn't build those dams. He's definitely copying it now, (laughs) but um, they uh, they still want him in for whatever reason. But yeah, I don't know. You might have been across this more than I was, Marty, because I'm not into politics much, but um, all the stuff that we're reading at the moment that he refused to build the to build more dams in 2019 because he said, What's the point of catching water if it's not going to fall because of climate change? So well, I, I anyway.
1: stopped reading on him about two years ago. <laughs> so I got nothing to add, mate. Nothing to yeah. add.
2: <laughs> anyway, he'll
0: still Do get we have it, an mate. election coming up or something? I'm just yeah, starting to see November. more stuff popping up everywhere. Uh, November the 26th. Yeah,
1: so watch this space. It's going to be riveting on. Uh, yeah, just turn the TV <laughs> off for a couple of months. and uh,
2: He's going to win, mate, apparently. If he wins, we should get him on here. I yeah wish you'd, you'd, surely you'd know you'd know someone who knows him jace man man about town like you are
0: i reckon yeah there's always just a couple of degrees of separation so i'll put the feelers out guys and uh yeah i'll, I'll come back to you and let you know we're, we're due we've got, we've got some uh future guest episodes planned for later on in this season so it's uh not a not a bad one to start thinking about uh in advance in the meantime though gents. Um, I'm really interested in this one. It really caught my eye and it's something that I'm uh, constantly, con- or not constantly concerned about, but confused about, you know, when you read articles. So um, Nick, you come across some interesting articles that you wanted to share with us in today's Reading the Play for us to then uh, discuss. What have you got? I did, mate.
2: And I think um, what I'm about to talk about, it's not, it's not rocket science and it's stuff that we've probably already spoken, spoken about in the one of the prior 70-odd episodes that we've done, but I think just the the timeliness of the topic now um, and reading these two articles just made me think about, you know, what is going on in people's minds Um, and we're Mm -hmm. we're talking about the property market and whether or not it is the right time to get in. Um, Obviously, there's lots of uh, media around the reduction and, you know, there definitely has been a reduction in prices, interest rates going up, all that stuff. But the question people have now is, okay, when do you pull the trigger? You know, am I trying to pick the bottom, a bit like trying to get in the share market, or is it time to do it now? And what what really caught my attention was the AFR. Um, I generally have a squeeze over the AFR a couple of times a week. Uh, I've I've always considered the AFR as where you could get the right the right story. Um, you know, mm-hmm. less of a news grabbing kind of um, kind of theme. You know, compared to some of the others that you might read, like Herald Sun or whatnot, but this is what this is what I read this morning. So this was an art, This was the heading of an article um, on the thirteenth of October. Uh, even as a rate, even as rate clouds clear, property investors are staying away. So that was on the thirteenth of October that that article appeared in the AFR. Then I went to an article that appeared on the fourteenth of October, the very next day. Obviously written by different people. Why property mm-hmm. investors are back in the market buying. So. I'm reading the AFR as a, what I think is a good source of knowledge. I read an article one day saying property investors are staying away. The next day I read an article in the same publication in the property sector saying property investors are back in the market. So it just made me think, well, when, when do you get in? So when when is the right time to get in? So one person saying investors are out, the other saying investors are in. What is the real answer? So I thought today it would be good to just – understand or just rehash some of the things that you need to think about um, when making a decision as to whether or not you're going to get in the market and completely a move away from the idea of trying to pick the bottom because if you do that you're going to fluke it basically um, there's no science behind when we are going to hit the bottom there's a lot of external factors that are going on that are going to determine that so it comes back to, is it right for you? We spoke about this a couple of episodes right. ago. What is your long-term plan? But there's probably seven things that I, that I wrote down that we could discuss that'll, that'll make sure that you're making the right decision for you, no matter what the market's doing and whether it's you're picking the bottom or you've bought at the, at the peak. It doesn't matter. I've bought properties at the peak, bought my home at the peak. I'm very comfortable with that because I've got a plan. Um, so yeah, I thought it'd be good just to have a bit of a chat around some things to consider. Uh, if you're thinking geez is it time to get in or not given you know prices have definitely come back so let's go through those uh through those seven points
0: yeah absolutely love it nick we're we're getting this question so often so i think it's going to be great value to discuss it and also you know give give me a bit of an idea of uh how i can actually respond to people when they say jay should i buy a house right now so let's do it what are we considering um all right so i'll go
2: for one question at a time, and I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you boys, um, giving you both full of knowledge, um, comment on each of them. But question one is, you know, how much has the price actually dropped in that suburb? Uh, we, were, we were joking around before that there was another article, which I haven't brought up, um, in the, in the uh, AFR. And it said, what it was alluding to that was that 80% of suburbs in this country have had a price decrease. Now, the way that the headline was worded, when I first read it, I went, I, th- I saw 80% price de- decrease. So I'm thinking, shit, which suburb is that? But I'm reading the article, they were saying in 80% of the suburbs, the prices decrease. So I think what people need to understand is just the differences in different suburbs for whatever reason. So if you're thinking, you know, you're know, you reading all these headlines about property decreases, understand what's actually happening in the suburb that you want to be in, whether it's for investment or underoccupied. occupied and has there actually been a decrease, and that will help you understand whether or not it's time to get in, so um, they're talking 10 or 15% across the board, well, you might buy in a suburb that you've been looking at for a while and a particular style of property is actually 20% down, now, if that was me and I'd been waiting to get in there, I would be in, I wouldn't be waiting for it to get 25% down, I'd be saying, well, you know what, that's 20% less, regardless of what the media is saying. There's a property very similar to that that sold 18 months ago um, for $100,000 more. So that to me is a good buy. So just get a real read on the actual suburb that you're looking in and the type of property that you're looking at and get away from some of the headlines that you're reading. That's the first thing. Is that what you'd about. recommend,
0: Nick? So looking at the, the kind of property that you're interested in buying, and just doing some research, looking back to what prices they were selling for over the last year or two.
2: A hundred percent. How many yeah. How many stats have been thrown around at the moment? Around ten percent, five percent, twenty percent, thirty percent. Sydney eastern suburbs. Um, there's there's one way to work it out. See what the prop identical properties as far as you know bedrooms and bathrooms and sub and even areas within suburbs. Just see what they sold for yep. 18 months ago and. Work out ten of them and get an average, and there's there's your answer. Yeah,
1: and if yep. if you want to if you want to plan it out, even with uh, the market coming back, yeah, just look over the last fifteen years in that suburb to see what it what it's done. If you want to get a, like a, a a ratio over time, and you just get a better read fundamentally about all right, what has that suburb done over a fifteen year period? And like I said, we yeah you, know, you don't you don't buy your. Uh, yeah, you, know, you target close like I do, Jace. yeah, uh, you know, when it's at a high price, you buy it when it's on sale, right? That's that's what mm. you do. So why why be any different in the property or share market as well? We can never pick the lows. So, you know, come up with a plan or a strategy that makes sense and, and that's something that's something I always think about. Well, what's the ratio over a longer period of time? Take in a couple of cycles. So
2: So the next point I've got here is understand how each type of property in that suburb has performed recently. You want to be buying the 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 property that's more in the in demand, the right type of property. So this is happening a lot, um, and I'm going to refer to Melbourne because that's what we know the most. But different properties are performing at completely different levels um, based on supply and demand. um, Mm. Based on supply and demand, and the best example I can give you, we work with some agents in and around the Flemington area, Flemington Kensington, and what they are saying is good quality. Renovated family homes. We know why that is because the cost to renovate now is so expensive. They mm. are still going for exact, not exactly, but around about, depending on the property, around about what they were going for 12 months ago, because there is not many of those properties around. There's more and more stock coming under the market at that low one million dollar mark. So you know, if we think Flemington, we think single fronted, two bedroom, bathroom out the back, all those houses side by side. There's heaps of those, and there's heaps of those coming onto the market. So, understand that gives you a really good read on. Okay, well, if I want to get into that market, what's the type of property that's going to stand up? Now, you, now you're not you might not be in a position to spend you know I'm singling out Flemington here three million dollars or two and a half million dollars in a family home, but that's just that's just to give you an example. It could be you could be further out, and the houses at six or seven hundred with four bedrooms are stacking up compared to all the townhouses like we talk about the north in and around um you know glenroy Roy, vale these areas where so many townhouses have been built, uh, built over the last 10 years that stock is struggling because there's so many of them mm. what's holding up four bedrooms two bathrooms renovated now you might only be paying eight or nine hundred for that versus um two mils. so it's really good time to get an understanding on what stands up. So if you're investing, and we go through a moment like this again, whether it's in 10, 15 years time, now's now's a good time to get a lens on what's the best product to buy. Um, Because you can see what the other products are doing and you'll know what's gonna hold up if this happens
0: again. Yeah, I think having that understanding, yeah, every single suburb, location, inner city, um, you know, regional are going to have different properties that work for different reasons based on on that location. So, you know, understanding whether you want to buy an apartment, a unit, a townhouse, um, you know, I think, and, and people for some, sometimes people won't even consider it, you know, what are my other options so rather than just a four bedroom, two bathroom brick brick house yeah. on a bit of land?
2: And this is a real, this is a real life stress test we're going through, right? So you're kind of getting the luxury of having that type of property stress tested, so you know what mm. you're dealing with. Um, so it's pretty unique, and that's again why I think it's a really good opportunity. I,
1: I love that. I love that thinking, Nick, because again we come back to specialization in your research. So even in regards to when the property market goes up, is there an outlier as to what performs well in that market, and then when it comes back, like which ones hold up? I mean. If you put in that work and you get a read on that in specific streets, are, even on the same street, things can vary depending on views and, and things like yep. that. but it's a it's a great test case to use this as a real life stress test. so I, I, I like I love that.
2: So moving on. the third one is more about your individual situation and ignoring the external market. So the obvious two big issues at the moment are our price is going to continue to drop. And the second one being our interest rates going to continue to climb. So now you just need to understand what does it look like for you if the price continues to drop? What if it looks like what does it look like for you if the interest rates continue to climb? So if you're dealing with a mortgage broker, which most people are these days, just understand what the cash flow on that property, if it's an investment or even if it's your owner occupied home, understand what a six percent interest rate looks like. Based on what we're hearing at the moment, you know, this is, uh, this is me predicting, but and I'm not Nostradamus, but I think it could be, you could be safe to say that most home loans are, are going to cap at about 5.5%. Depending on a few variables, we might get to 6 if it's an investment property. So understand what 6% looks like. So, you know, what's the cash flows, the rental income coming in if it's investment rates going out, insurance. Imagine if that was 6%. Do you have the budget to fund that? And how long do you have the budget to fund 6% for? It might be 12 months. They're suggesting that the rates will start to decline um, towards the end of next year. So put 6% into your calculator and understand if you can float that for 12 months. And then it doesn't matter if the price comes back a little bit over the next three to four months and you haven't quite timed the bottom. It's irrelevant. If it's a 10 year, 15, 20 year investment, the fact that you could get in and there was a good buying opportunity um also means you know you're not you're not with the masses that are also trying to get in in 6 months time when they think the the market's bottom so yeah just do some some projections on absolute worst case scenario from an interest rate point of view to make sure that you can ride out the next you know 10 years which is in 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 my opinion most properties should be minimum time frame of 10 years to really make sure you get the right uplift
1: yeah and in addition to that nick too i think you know, if you were getting the yields you were getting three years ago on the on the rents, um and prices went up to six percent, it obviously has a dramatic impact as well. But you've got to take into account that rents have increased substantially uh as well. So, you know, working it out on that six percent figure makes total sense given the increasing rents that you're getting now for investment properties and and you wanna be you you wanna be looking at things like that to make your decision on. Make sure you set up okay.
2: fourth one is you know, understanding, again, particular areas, and I'm, um, I'm, I'm leaning towards the, the investment market here, but understand what drives a particular area as far as demographics, infrastructure. Um, most people that are buying investment properties will know this stuff, or if they're using a good, invest, um, a good buyer's agent, um, they will help them with this stuff. Um, current versus historical rental vacancies. So at the moment, we've got record... Low rental mm. vacancies, which is what's pushing the rent up. I think that's going to be around for a while because there's now a lack of stock being built because of you know labor and costs and all this sort of stuff. So, but but don't let that make your decision. Understand historically what those vacancies have been like um, versus what they are now. Again, use this as a stress test, but don't let this make this time make your decision. Understand that market or that particular suburb a bit better. Is it a family-driven suburb if if so then you want to be buying something with three to four bedrooms and two bathrooms and maybe a study and, and a yard so understanding the demographics that live in there because that's then going to drive what type of property is going to be in demand from a rental point of view there's no point going into a heavily um, a heavy family driven area and buying a two-bedroom apartment that doesn't make any sense because you've got families in there so there's more chance that your rent's going to be the first one to go backwards because the demand's not there so yeah, don't just look at what's happening now. Get get the long lands infrastructure. Um, it's pretty easy these days to to go online onto a government website and have a look at what they've got planned for particular areas over the next ten to fifteen years. You now we're sitting in West Melbourne at the moment. Um, we've got the the whole new North Melbourne precinct happening. We've got the new train station. That stuff has been readily available to anyone who wanted it for years and you can actually find online what they have planned for that area so do some google searching get an understanding of the long-term plans that the local council or the government has for that area it'll really help you make a decision as to whether or not you should be investing there regardless of whether the market's peaked or is at 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 its lowest point
1: we can't add to genius mate that was uh (laughs) okay I, i just think about a discussion i had with uh Aaron and Dimitri up on the sunny coast, even, you know, you've got good schools, you know, international airports mm. come in, where doubling in size as a city, satellite city. And um, you've got Olympics coming up in, you know, 2032. And um, you just go, the rents have jumped probably for a four bedroom house from 600 to 650 a week to 950. Um, and prices mm. are coming back now and you go, when you talk about your previous points as well, your pressure test at 6%, uh, all of a sudden yeah, those markets are interesting to look at. Not to say it's the right market, get your own advice, but, but it's, um, they're the sort of things you're starting to look out for. But yeah, brilliant, uh, brilliant synopsis there.
2: Yeah, and I think just the, the important point there is all of this stuff is readily available. The government put this stuff puts this stuff out. Just Google it, and you'll you'll find exactly what they've got planned. Um, another example is you know I, I live in Port Melbourne, and that whole Fisherman's Bend precinct is all being revamped. You can read, you can learn about what schools they're they're bringing private schools in there. Like all this stuff was available online years and years ago um, mm. as to what their plans were. So most areas um, you'll be able to get a good lens on what's happening in the next medium term anyway, and sometimes long term. Um, Marty, you brought this up a couple of episodes ago when you gave your client example, and I, I really like this, and I haven't done this personally, but this is something that I'm definitely going to think about doing in the future. But do you have the ability to improve the property in the medium term as that can offset risk? So hmm. I think the example you gave was your client buying bigger blocks, subdividing, um, whether it be the back or side by side, and... Um, and then selling that block of land off, and then using that money to, to reduce the debt on the remaining property, and creating some equity and and a better cash flow because you had lower loan repayments. I had another client. Uh, I used to really like what he did. He bought properties in um, Brisbane. He would actually bring in relocatable homes, so he used to call them splitter block splitter blocks. But he would split the blocks down the middle. He would move um, one house forward. And then he would bring in a relocatable home or something like that and put it on the back. So very cheap cost um, as far as building went. Then he would sell the back one and then come out with some capital and go again. So don't just, if you've got the time, and for a lot of people, they don't have the time. Um, Properties for most people are just set and forget and they just want a good asset. But if you've got the time, find something that you can improve because there's so many Mm. opportunities out there. It'll be very much be area driven. But you know, if you can make another 100000 by selling a block of land off, reduce that debt by um, 100000 the property becomes cash flow positive, you've then got some equity to go again. It then reduces the need to having to actually pick the bottom because you've, you've, you've increased your equity position straight away. So I just love that strategy. And I think it's, it's incredibly smart versus just continuously buying properties and not being able to add value to them.
1: Yeah. And the the one thing I recognize, like people obviously like to go into elite suburbs and do that when they're cashed up to do, be able to do that. But a lot of um, clients I've seen have even picked out, um, you know, substantially big rural communities to do it in too. Like, um, at the moment, I got a couple of clients looking in Creswick, which is in between Dalesford and uh, Ballarat, and they're all splitter blocks at 900 square meters, and um, they can be subdivided. Now, your entry price on something like that five fifty, yeah, up to six hundred, and you're still only ninety minutes out of Melbourne, yeah, you know, up to mm. an hour forty. So it, I'm not again. I'm just saying there are opportunities whatever income range you're at to just do the research in a particular area. I know it's sort of past now, but even where I lived in the Yarra Valley, Yarra Junction, a suburb 37997 postcode, it went through a phase where the whole suburb was open to development and people just hadn't caught on. So you could actually mm. buy properties at decent price. You could buy, this is going back a while now, but you could buy for 250 and split them up into three. It was like, quite incredible so you can look for markets that are slightly outside of the metro area that might be developing um and and you know try and do it that way but definitely i've seen a lot of my clients do that depending on their own personal circumstances there are some that obviously buy in elite suburbs because they're cashed up to be able to do that and get a big return as well but as long as you're getting the return on the on the project on a percentage ratio Mm. Um, then you could duplicate that idea. So just get some specialised knowledge, check in with counsel as to what's coming, what can be done. And um, yeah, it just opens up the door to to opportunity.
2: So uh, the next point is, again, more around your own personal circumstances. And I actually, I talk about this a lot because being in the mortgage broking space um, earlier in my career was always interest only. uh, You don't want to pay, tax, uh, your tax deductible debt off because, you know, you need to pay your owner occupied debt off. And look, I understand all that. And that to me makes total sense that you would reduce your owner occupied debt. What I really have a challenge with is how much, how much tax advantage are you actually getting by doing that? And I'd, you'd probably answer this. Uh, you can probably respond to this, Jace, but I'm going to suggest it's going to be minimal. Um, and I, I know property Businesses that sell properties, you know, spruik on this sort of stuff. You know, use your tax deductions to pay your your debt off, but uh, your personal debt off. But what what you constantly see is people just leveraging, 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 and they're never getting anywhere from a debt point of view. Obviously, we've got capital growth, which is great, but the other concern there is you know you you go into a loan with a five year interest only period, continuously need to refinance that, um, and you may or may not be in a position to do that. So I'm a big advocate of buying investment property, putting it on a 30-year loan term and paying it off over 30 years and getting to retirement and having zero debt on it and then creating yourself a cash flow of two, two and a half grand a month, 1500 a month, whatever it is. Now, of course, you're not going to get the ultimate tax deduction over the time, but what I do know doing what I've done for 15 years is that people don't always use that tax deduction wisely. In an ideal world, they grab all of that saving and they put it all in their owner-occupied debt. But it doesn't happen. As humans, what, what we do when we have money is we spend it. And that's just the reality for most people. But what we also do very well in this country is when we have debt, we get rid of it. So yeah. I'm a big believer in having a high repayment and actually paying that debt off. It sets you up for retirement. Um, it puts you in a better equity position every month. So you know, as we get interest rate rises... Um, it becomes less of a less of a problem for you because you've got less and less debt. You can go to a new lender uh, at a lower interest rate. There's more equity there. If you get in trouble, you can sell the property. There's a bigger equity buffer if something like that happens. And I don't think people give that enough time or attention because of this this mantra around interest only payments and and tax deductions. But the reality is, we just don't see people accelerate their their home loan repayments because they've got negative gearing here. I've seen it very rarely. Um, so understand that if you are getting into the market, can you afford PI payments? And that is going to eliminate your risk every time you make a I repayment, putting yourself in a better asset position um, and strengthening your overall balance sheet. So that's probably another thing that I'd be thinking. You know, as a financial planner, um, quite often I recommend clients to do PI. Don't worry about the tax. Um, do P&I pay it off set yourself up have a plan like the lady you spoke about a couple of episodes ago Marty it's
1: it's it's clever actually I you, I never thought about it that way but what I like similar to the subdivision story is you're creating equity while well, the market increases but you're also creating equity in your disciplines of paying the principal and interest and I think I think you're absolutely right. And why that resonates with me is I, like, you know, people talk about offset account, offset account, offset account. We'll put our income in and then we'll take the money out over the month on the offset account and um, we should get ahead. But what ends up happening is they spend everything and they're much better, unless they're highly disciplined, you know, good engineers, good teachers, generally use it well, I've seen, <laughs> but highly disciplined, Um, they end up just using the cash. So the better strategy is always is putting that additional repayment per fortnight into the mortgage and then it's guaranteed. And that way they guarantee themselves getting ahead. So similar sort of when you talked about it, I I go, it actually made sense because I'm Mm. going, yeah, how are people going to utilise that money if they are going to get a tax benefit, maybe put it back into the investment and accelerate the repayment so you can buy another investment and use the capital i mean that actually is is a good way to think about it so i like your perspective on that Chase, the, you uh, we're talking tax deductions here but makes sense
0: yeah definitely i think it's a great consideration that probably not a lot of people put a lot of thought into as to actually making their investment property principal and interest i mean you know you it's been drilled into people for so long that you know put every other dollar against your your main residence or your your Principal place of residence because it's not tax deductible that debt that you're paying. But again, if you think long term and you have the right strategy, like just even hearing Nick say that out loud, that if if I put it on principal and interest, pay it off over thirty years, all of a sudden you're going to retire with an asset that you own that's cash flow positive, and you don't not sitting there with this giant debt still sitting there. And it's completely right. Like human nature and people, the way we are, if we've got the access to the cash, we find a way to spend it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if it, if you work it into your plan and you forecast for it and you know carve you know that little bit of extra money that's going on that loan every week or every month eventually you're going to not really notice it because you're going to get used to it um, but what you're going to get is a house that's paid off so i no, love it great great perspective nick i think it's one that yeah i think a lot of people should consider
2: i just, I just did some really quick numbers and while you're talking just to just to explain what the actual dollar figure is, but if um, on half a million dollars, if you were to borrow half a million dollars at 5%, your capital component, so your principal component that goes to that on a monthly basis is 600 bucks. So what it means is there's 600 bucks a month that you're actually paying off that investment property versus maybe putting into your home debt, maybe, if you don't spend it, and hurting mm. you to your tax deductibility. So 600 a month at 12 months is 7,000 a year. If you're in um if you're in um a thirty percent well most people are probably in twenty five percent bracket, Well, where would a majority of people sit, mum and dad's chase? Yeah, no, thirty two pers- to
1: thirty
2: seven. Thirty two okay. to thirty seven. So if you're at thirty percent in the
0: coming years it'll just flatten out the thirty two.
2: Okay. So there's probably about just over two grand a year um that you've cost yourself from a tax deduction point of view. So Again, this isn't for everyone. Some people are really good with this stuff, and they do the right thing with the money. But, as I've said, the reality is most people don't um and two grand a year whilst it sounds like a a good good lot of money while we're sitting here talking about it now, um you know, most people will probably blow that, will take their tax return and put that on a flight to Bali, and they're away so it's just it's just better creating those better habits, don't make every decision based on a tax deduction. Make a decision based on your habits, and your habits are what's going to get you ahead. Not so much waiting for that tax return. There's always something that comes up. You would know this better than I do, Jase. There's always something that comes up at tax time that you've got, you've got for, your tax, for your tax return. You've, you've got a reason to spend it. I'd be surprised if most people grab their tax return and put it back in their home loan. Um, and even if they do, it sits in there as redraw, and they've got access to that money to To go and spend anyway when the holiday does come up
0: so yeah most most people we talk to it's rego money it's holiday money there's not a lot of people that are saying it's going back into their home loan or or paying down debt that's for sure yeah or if it is it's the credit card that they've racked up during the year waiting for the the tax refund to come back so smart man nico
2: if you're making that payment every month you don't put yourself in that position because the money's Mm -hmm. just gone last one is and this is a real simple one but have you got a cash buffer to ensure that you don't need to sell in a hurry, and this is pretty, this is pretty basic stuff, but I think it's one of the main ones. Um, yeah, you, know, you don't want to sell in a hurry at the wrong time. So again, this just eliminates the need to buy, you know, at the exactly at exactly the right time, and it it just guarantees that you can hold that place for a long term, um, or a long time, meaning that you're going to guarantee yourself some good capital growth. So if it's untenanted for for a couple of months, if the tenant does something that costs you money, um, if, you're, if you're out of work for a month or two, if you have a health issue come up and you need to put money into some medical bills, all this sort of stuff, have you got whatever, whatever you feel is comfortable for you based on your cash flow? Have you got six months of repayments banked? Have you got that? Um, so you know, I can, I can say, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to divulge this, but as a business owner, Whilst we have a wage, a lot of our money doesn't come in on a monthly basis. You know, there might be dividends or whatnot that come at the end of the year. So for me, cash flow isn't always the same each month. It comes in in lumps. So I always make sure that there's home loan payments taken care of for quite some time in case that lumpy time doesn't come or whatever it might be. So again, it just reduces risk. It reduces the need for you to sell if something goes completely wrong um, and it. It it means you don't have to worry about timing the market, so, and that's that's property 101 and investment 101. But Marty, you would have seen, you probably would have given plenty of advice around this because you did do a lot of the investor stuff. um What's 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 your buffer and how long can you float the property for if something goes wrong?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think I've always been a a person to say have six months of a buffer at least. Now you're only ever going to probably ever need. One, two, three months are the worst case scenario in any type of market, so it's you know, it, it's it's probably ultra conservative six months. but I know, you know,, even from a personal standpoint, you know we we put savings aside that if something happened to me or or my wife Cole, that um, for ten months we're okay. We've, like it's just a habit because you just never know what happens in life. And I've just learned that through my 30s and my 20s of reading different things as well. Um, it's just an emergency fund. And you can do that for your investments and for your life as well to set yourself up to make sure you're okay. Because otherwise, if you're living from paycheck to paycheck, one bad thing goes amiss, you're in debt, you know, or you have to go on source debt. And, and that just put, that can put you in a backwards spiral. So you really want to build up that position and strength and give yourself some comfort Um, in regards to investment so you've got a cushion to fall on. Hundred
0: percent. Well guys, look I think you know, you can see a lot of stuff in the media. You read the articles and the headlines and you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. But I think what this episode has done for me, Nick, and, and thank you for sharing, it's just given the the further knowledge that there is an opportunity that if you do your research and you've got a long term plan and a long term view in the property market, you're not worried about trying to time the cycle and get into the bottom. You know, if you've got if your income's secure, you know, maybe the time is right for you now. As long as you can do your research and have a look and, and have a plan and be be smart about it so i reckon that was fantastic and well done thanks for sharing
1: brilliant nick game over